I woke up this morning and it was Flanders. I woke up at like 5 a.m. And remember how it was like they broadcast the whole entire thing? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So I bring up my phone and I go on YouTube where I've been watching the racing lately The instead of going on the dark web. And I find mm-hmm. it and I turn it on. And then I put it on and I go to bed. Like I, I fall back asleep and it's on and it's playing. And then I have a dream in that moment. Wait, Sarah's I'm okay not, with this? With you just streaming a race while she's trying to it was, sleep? It was on pretty quiet. But yeah, it is. You know, it's Flanders. I, that's, I think I said it's Easter Sunday. It's Flanders. So anyways, long story short, I start dreaming that the race is going on. And Tim Wellens yeah. just attacked the entire group. Cool. But the announcers didn't know it was Tim Wellens. Because it was a guy that was in a black leather jacket with a bunch of like studs, like pyramid studs and everything, and then a giant patch on the back that said Boonin. <laughs> like a like a screen printed patch. Yeah, yeah. yeah like a, very punk rock. Mm-hmm. And and I swear to god this was happening and like it was like one of these lucid dreams, so I was just like, Oh man, this is such an amazing dream. I, I can't wait to tell the guys about this on the podcast tonight. And then I wake up and I see Tim Wellens isn't even in the race. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know why I was thinking about Tim Wellens. I had to well, go on pro cycling stats to figure yeah. out who Tim Wellens even was. What? I haven't talked about him enough on the podcast for you to know. Maybe that's why. Like, it was weird how it all came together. Anyways, that's how Flanders Sunday started for me. That's kind of weird. You know, in about a week, uh, no, about two weeks, uh, it's going to be the Ardennes, and Tim Wellens is going to let you know who he is. All right. You'll, you'll know right. him by the uh, studded jacket, Tim. <clears throat> Yeah. yeah, and when he wow. crosses the line at Amstel and, with his hands up in the air and, and a and, leather jacket on. And the huge respect for Tom Boonin that he has. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know he was such a Tom Boonin fan, but I mean, he probably, you know, he's he's a younger writer, so he probably grew probably up. Cel- being a probably Tom celebrates Boonin. his entire catalog. Yeah. <laughs> now we can start the show, because I, I just had to tell you guys that before we, uh, before we get going. You're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Bites, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at Slow Ride Pod. Hello and welcome to the 199th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando. This is Matt in Minneapolis. I feel like I'm on the verge of something great, you guys. Good day. This is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts. Don't you know? <laughs> oh, that's weird. Where'd that accent come from? Blimey, I don't know. Wow. I don't know what you're talking about, Governor. Wow, that's super it, good. Uh, <laughs> Have you been working on that all week or something? Oh, uh, as it were, I was uh, I was doing some research uh, on on cycling and um, its popularity, and it it turns out the English slash Australian uh, commentaries is by far the most popular. So I thought uh, in our one hundred and ninety ninth episode, we needed a boost. Boost, 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 in, boost the in the ratings. Mm-hmm. Have you yeah. checked to see if uh, it's the real accents or just anyone trying the accents that really sells it? For it people? seems to be anything, really, um, as long as it's mm-hmm. very Anglo and very, uh, uh, you know, smart sounding. <laughs> wow, this is good. <laughs> so- crikey! Oh, crikey! 
I, Crikey, I, I see what you've me, done guys. there. Did you see the race today? <laughs> I did see the race today. Uh, cracker, wasn't it? <laughs> it was Cracker. Uh, Two good races today. So, of course, we're talking about Flanders, men and women. Um, Hell of the North. No, that's not the one, is it? <laughs> Blame me. I was, I was watching. I was watching the men's race today, and they announced the announcers were like, "Hey, pretty soon we're going to go to live coverage of the women's finish." And I was expecting to see the women's finish because, and then Spencer, you said. let me know that they were actually showing the entire women's race on a another stream. So I didn't get to watch that much of it. I just got to see that uh, um, Anna. Uh, Van, Van Vanderbregen nailed it. Yeah, takes the win. Yeah, in dominating fashion by a minute over yeah. teammate Amy Peters and Anamique Van Vluten for an entire Dutch podium. Such a tall podium. <laughs> it was a very tall podium. Was she? She was solo for what twenty k something crazy long? I forget. Sure. Yeah. All right. Thanks. <laughs> okay. I figured you you being the. You know the Anglo uh, announcer, you'd you'd have it, but yeah. Anyway, it was a long solo move. It's long solo move, right? Bloody hilarious to hear you Americans talk about bike racing, isn't it? Though. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so you guys really like time traveling over there uh, in the Commonwealth, Doctor Who? What the hell's wrong with you? The TARDIS. Yes. TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't quite decided uh, if I'm doing uh Australian or English. I know uh <laughs> I'm sure our listeners will let you know uh with angry emails which one you were doing for some of the time and which one you were doing well, for the other part of the time. I'm thinking I'm thinking this is a thing that we need to explore starting with episode 200 going forward cuz 200's a big deal, you guys. Like I I yeah. don't know if we've stressed this enough, but 200 episodes um, you know, it's time to turn over a new leaf and really, you know, reach out and, and, and explore the European uh, market. Well, you know, we've I think we've saturated North America. Yeah, no, I've been working on my uh, my Dutch accent, so I'm going to sound super tall on the podcast next week. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna we've been doing a good job of been doing a good job of finding out our demographics. And I think we're definitely uh, going to hit it with the Australian mm-hmm. uh, um, Anglo accent that that um, we have from Spencer. But the actual racing, I did not get to watch that much of the women's race because I failed. I was not smart. I didn't know there was an entire alternative stream of the entire race. I wish I did. Can you guys fill me in on what happened in the 15th annual running of the (laughs) Tour of Flanders for the women's race? I can't, Spencer. This is all up to you because you're the announcer because I was was changing it. A lot of diapers. Ah, Tom Boonin, Tom Boonin. He gets real nervous on Flanders Day. He you know, this gets is real nervous on the race whole day. Week, the Holy Week uh, really, you know, it's, upsets, it's big. upsets you know, it's, the tummy. It's a contract year, yeah. too. So. <laughs> okay. Um, so, <laughs> I might not renew him if he doesn't come through. So the uh, the women's race, yeah, I saw the last uh, 20 or 30K. I was watching a French feed that uh, cut from the men's race over to the women's for the last 30K which was awesome. I thought that was great. And then there was a, a nice. an entire feed out there that was only the women's race that you could find. So I'm sure those things will pop up on YouTube if you didn't see it. Uh, it was it was a pretty classic race. Um, in the end, it played out fairly similar to the uh, to the men's race, um, which, you know, it's it's Flanders, so that's how it does. Um, but yeah, we had uh, Vanderbriggen um, attacking off the front uh, with a bunch of Ks to go and 
a couple of chase groups, Jasoner, um, two groups of four, I think it was, um, that, uh, you know, all the big hitters were up there at the front, Chantal Black in the chase group, uh, PFP in the chase group, like some heavy hitters, um, Megan Gagne in the chase groups. Um, and those groups came together at the end. And so there's a big sprint for second. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, even if you think a breakaway solo, you know, win isn't the, isn't the most fun to watch. Like it was a, it was a very entertaining race. Uh, very exciting. Balls Doman so, took one, two, uh, in the end. So yeah. that's pretty good for them. Mitchelton Scott, uh, rounding out the podium there. So this has to be <clears throat> now, I, I guess what I was getting at is Anna Vanderbregen is clearly the best women's racer right now. Is she getting to the, the level of uh, what Marianne Voss was a few years ago? I know Marianne Voss was in different disciplines as well, but I mean, the the results that she has had, you know, winning Strada Bianca, Olympic road race champion, um, won Flesh Wallone. I mean, Blimey. clearly. You she, Americans I mean, are all the same, there. aren't you? Just looking for the best. All the time. Yeah. Want to know. Is she going to win a Grand Tour now? Got to know. Are you going to win a Grand Tour? She's the next Grand Tour. I hope. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) No, Tim, Um, I I mean, she's having a good run, but, uh, you know, I think we are, I think a lot of uh, the women's Peloton would probably disagree with you, as as would I, saying, you know, she's she's had a good couple races, but uh, she's she's not like head and shoulders above the rest of the field. It, It is a quality... Uh, quality field okay. in every race is going to be a little different. And, you know, we're moving into the Ardennes well, Classics for the Women's World Tour, and those are going to be, you know, a whole different crop, I think. Well, I hope to learn more about women's racing, and I know that we're going to be working on uh, getting a expert to join us to talk, open up, uh, you know, understanding of uh, women's racing in the near future. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. So... Let's get into the men's race, which I was able to watch um, a ton of. T- Tim Wellens was not in the race, nope. um, but the win did go to Nikki Terpstra over Mads Pedersen of Trek Segafredo and Philippe Gilbert of Quickstep in third place. Um, and then in 16th place, Alexander Kristoff Cri- of UAE Team Emirates. Great result Finally for him. Result. Yeah. Um, He's been looking for a result clearly, here. Yeah, I don't think clearly the top it. 10. The top 10 was a who's who. Of racing, even even into eleventh place with um, Oliver Nason, Zednik Stybar in tenth, Vout Van Aert in ninth, Thies Benut in eighth, uh, Jasper Steven in seventh, and Peter Sagan sixth, GVA in fifth. So great results all the way around from uh, all the the heavy hitters. I mean, this was the heads of state of classic season at the race. Nikki Terpstra with the win. What was your initial thoughts? I. It was kind of a slow boil of a race, I got to say. It wasn't my favorite edition, but a good win for Ter- – not, not taking anything away from Terpstra. He earned it with that long solo move. I mean, that was hard. I, I Yeah, that and Mads in second place were – those were huge efforts. Like, obviously, Gilbert and Velger in fourth, but, like, it really played to people who took chances in this race, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Like, obviously, like, you just listed that top from 11 up to fifth. Like, that's all – that was kind of the guys we most expected other than Gilbert who snuck away for third. And n- none of those guys really laid it down and took a chance. And Terpster took a chance by following that Nibali move and it paid off because yeah. he did a Terpstra. Uh, Mads like went early and then almost hung with Terpstra, which was amazing, paid off. And then 
you know, Valgren jumped for four, for third and ended up fourth, but like still, Can he got that result because he took a chance out of that big group at the end. Sure, you know? yeah, and and I mean Sagan, you know, he was being marked uh, to death, as it were. Yeah. Um, he did make an attempt to to bridge across to Terpster at one he point. Did. It was kind of um, ill fated, probably late, from the beginning. Yeah, but uh, he managed to rip himself away from that group, which was kind of impressive on its own. Um, it was, but it was like it was too late. It was yeah. like that group was too good to let him get what away. I, unfortunately, at that point, the field is too solid. What I want to talk about briefly is Nabali, and he was with Terpstra for a little bit. And uh, were you guys were you guys kind of freaking out when that happened? Were you like, "Oh no, it's going to oh. happen"? I I was. I I literally walked away, got back, sat down to watch the race, and immediately as I sat down, Nabali attacked, and I like yelled. And Tom Boone I was Tom expecting was a like, phone call at that moment. Oh, I was so excited, <clears throat> but then he very quickly blew. <laughs> so I would say, Spencer, to answer your question, it's, it was a, a peak in Valley for me. The peak was Nibali yeah. going across yeah. or on the attack, and I was like, oh, he's there. <clears throat> Only quickly to reach the Valley of uh, um, Gianni Mascone mm. going across on another move, and I was like, oh, no, I don't want him to be the winner. Um, so that was a, mm. you know, kind of a peak and valley on the Italian front you know, I wasn't, <clears throat> at Paris. I wasn't too terribly worried about Muscon uh, making it to the finish. Like in that group, I just didn't believe he, he had the, uh, he had the juice for it. But, um, yeah, seeing Nibali off the front, I was like, oh my God, like San Remo Flanders double, like this is going to be crazy. Oh. Uh, but fears were quickly put. He would only bed. need three more. He would only need three more monuments to yeah. win the, the whole full cycle. <laughs> I mean, so. it was it was nice to see him try, and he's still got a good result. I mean, for his first go at Flanders and not being a guy who's yeah. really made for Flanders, like I forget where he finished, but it was a solid result. Like it was he awesome. showed. Did, did you guys though feel so? The second I saw a quick stepper latch onto him, I thought obviously someone's going to mark him. And then when Nibali kind of was like fading and the quick stepper, and they finally popped up on my screen. Nikki Terpstra, I was like, uh oh. Yeah. He's gonna win. Like if they don't chase him down right now, this is in the See, bag. And like that's like I I just was like I was kinda bored from that <clears throat> point in a way, because I was like, he's got it. Take nothing away from Terpstra, but it was like he's gone. You give Terpstra thirty seconds, it's oh, over. Yeah. When he attacked on the um when he caught the group and he attacked them right away, like he didn't mm-hmm. sit on them, like the the break yeah, of three. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then that's the shout out right there to Mads. Oh uh, yeah, Pedersen, right? He like, almost stayed being on. able to. What a great result! I thought for that so game. when he when Terpster caught them on that climb, I thought Mads would be the first one out the back, and I thought Dylan Van Barrel, whatever, and then Langeveld, who were you know both like seasoned vets in this race in comparison yeah. to Mads. I was like, those dudes will probably hang with him for a little bit, and they were spit out the back, and surprisingly. Mads kept himself like in the camera shot, like so close. Yeah, like out in the wind. Like he he lost a little ground, and then he matched him for the rest of that time trial. Like if he stayed on that wheel over the top of that climb, he might have out sprinted him for the win. Like it's crazy. Yeah, it was it was impressive watching the um you know because mostly we got the camera shot of the uh, the Sagan group, the cha- the bigger chasing group, and uh, we're getting these time gaps, and I couldn't figure out 
you know, which group was which for a long time. And I kept thinking they were way closer to catching Terpstra than they were because I kept forgetting that Mads was in between. And, yeah. you know, not to take anything away from his ride, but, you know, they just didn't have a camera on him. And I was like, okay, group yeah. two is, you know, it's Sagan coming across and group three <clears throat> is is the guys chasing him. But, you know, it was all, I had it all backwards and they were, Terpstra was definitely away. Yeah. Now, I want to say, little guy, I am a, in agreement a little bit. I like Flanders because it doesn't it doesn't seem like a really long race to me because there's, like, the climbs, and every, like, 10 kilometers, there's another bricked climb, and you're like, ooh, this is where it's going to happen. Yeah. But like you were saying, where I'm in agreement, is that this year was kind of a little boring and that there was just so many people over every climb, and it wasn't like the – there wasn't the attack that got it down to 10 people that then you could see the chess match. Yeah, It was more of just a battle of attrition – and finally, there was just a group of like 30. And then Terpstra went on the counter of Nibali yeah, and, it was and kinda, that went was away. So um, well, I think that kind of, I mean, in a way that's, I was thinking about this. Everyone was pretty much at the same level. Like like you said, that group that came in, that sprinted sprinted it out through for 5th through whatever, 11th, whatever. Like, that's all your favorites, basically. And they're all so closely matched in terms of abilities right now that and obviously quick steps the strongest team but like it wasn't one of those years where one guy one boonin or one cancelera could just rip the whole peloton apart like everyone was pretty closely matched and it came down to team tactics really team tactics and jumping or like i guess it's team tactics with mads too because he was out there for jasper and and ended up working out you know yeah i mean we used to saw we used to see boonin uh using the tyenberg kind of as his launch pad you know and that's like 50k or something away from the away from the finish and you get a couple more climbs in there um the Quermont and the Paderberg before the finish um but uh yeah I don't know I don't know if it's the circuit they've changed up or the order of the hills or what but it's it's definitely something doesn't seem as exciting about it even though it's it's still very good like I don't want to say it's not a good race how many times did they go up how many times did they go up the mirror? Just this time. Uh, I think just, just once. once. Yeah. They and once like, they go that early. Yeah. It's such a great climb. It, like it's got the stadium setting. I would love for that to happen more. Um couple of other quick notes, um, gentlemen. Uh do you think crossresults.org is gonna start doing a like classic season um enemies uh list because Stybar and Van Art for the uh, cyclocross fans, mm-hmm. number nine and ten today, and I think last week weren't they uh, like uh, nine and or six and seven like flipped? Didn't Stybar beat Van Art? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, against, so that's pretty cool that here they were both with top ten results. Uh, yep. I was getting excited seeing them out there, and oh, yeah. clearly someone is going to buy out the Van Art contract. I mean, oh yeah, he's. I mean, there's no way. I mean, obviously. A lot of other guys have Terpstra's probably had the best classic season with results, but like Van Aert, just for in terms of going in and us not really knowing how it would go, this is so far above expectations. I mean, anything could happen to Roubaix. He could flat on the start line and just be like, screw it, and go to a cafe and have a hot cocoa. Perfect, perfect. That's not going to happen. He's going to crush it. What do you think, Spencer, of the uh, of of the cyclocross all star team? I mean, it's great. I think uh, obviously we're seeing a, a, maybe a changing of the guard. I think Quickstep might uh, put Stebar out to pasture and bring in the the newer, uh, younger model. Like, I don't Stibar know. Stebar <laughs> is obviously still good. I mean, oh, yeah, I was no, going to say, this is kind good. of on the Quickstep route of like, <clears throat> is so a lot of guys win and then they leave Quickstep. 
And obviously, Gilbert came in a quick step late in life. And Stybar's been there a long time. And Terpster's been there a long time. Is Ter- Terpster the smartest rider? Like, I always feel like he's not the greatest classics rider, but obviously, his result sheet reads like one of the greater yeah. of the last generation. But I think a lot of that's done to the fact that he never was lured away by winning a big race and thinking he could be the 100% leader on another team. Like, he knows that he works in this quick step mode. Um, and I feel like he's actually just the smart or his agent is the smartest rider who's like, <laughs> don't leave quick step. Don't like, you know, don't be seduced by the fact that you won, uh, like het right. bulk. And you're like, you're, now I'm going to go yeah. take a huge contract at Rabobank. Like keep your medium contract at quick step like, and become one of the greats. Don't worry about winning Perry Bay every year. <clears throat> Boonin's going to win four out of the five, but that fifth one, you might get it. That's you. You might get it. And like, Terpster has so, year. I just feel like Terpster's been around so long. There's a, there'll be a year or two where I just don't even think about him getting a result, and then suddenly something like this happens where he wins. He wins E3 and he wins this, and you're like, yeah, obviously that makes sense. He's Terpster. So maybe Stybar will have his time, and uh, <clears throat> Vout will come around. Uh, one of the questions I saw on Twitter. Uh, apologize for not giving credit where credits due, but is uh, Matthew Vanderpool sitting at home going, "Man, I could do that too." Oh, totally. Well, no, he is. He's like. Uh, Oh shit! I don't think that's what Wout's doing, dude. You know, you know if he's like he's watching Wout up there. He he he's like, oh cool. Nah, he he was watching Nino last year, and he's watching Nino Scherter and being like, I could do that. And they and now he's first things first. You know what I mean? Like, but you know the feeling like when you're you're racing locally. Like you're racing locally and, and maybe you don't race one weekend or like whatever and you see the guys who you're usually with sure. and you see them like pulling toward a good result and you're like, I would have been sprinting that for that result then. Yeah. Cool. Like, you know, Vanderpool then is like, I guess I would have been top 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But see a sty bar. So what's more impressive? Uh, Wout's, you know, podiums uh, on, on Strada Bianca and, and such or, or, um, Vanderpool's results, you know, wide angle podiums in uh, World Cup mountain bike race. Coming from the so, back too. I don't know, man. They're both. They're both. It's hard to. I can't. I can't pick one above the other. I think Vanderpool though is setting himself up to be the uh, the Marianne Voss of uh, men's professional cycling by winning world championships in multi disciplines um, faster than Vout Van Artis. Could be probably yeah, yeah probably faster right and it actually could you know you know maybe he gets out on the road and then all of a sudden he's you know he's going for the triple crown mountain bike road and uh, cyclocross mm. a couple of other uh, um, say I'm just going to move on right away yeah. uh, so you guys can't challenge that idea um, Mitch Docker probably had yeah. the worst crash I have seen in a long time so our thoughts go out to him I hope uh, he's doing well we're going to hope to yeah. get him on the uh, yeah. uh, how do they say it down there in Australia on the potty what, what are we going to we're going to try to get him on the potty to uh talk about it um hope he's recovered fully uh watching that crash on replay i had to look away just into the barbed wire fence was the worst i've seen since hugerland and fletcher uh you know yeah 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 you don't like to see that anybody but no uh, certainly not a rider yeah we've we like we've been talking to mitch for a while he's definitely wants to come on the pod we definitely want him on the pod but uh scheduling uh america with europe or australia time zones and all that it's it's not easy but uh it'll happen one of these days so we're looking forward to it hey guys um in other news step away oh, talk go ahead. amongst yourselves i need to let the cat out of the room 
<laughs> All right. Well, and while he's away, little guy, do you know who the top placed American was at the Ronde? This I week? don't even know. Taylor Finney. And... Taylor Finney in a hundredth place. He did finish. Okay. Um, and then uh, one of the ones I wanted to get at was just a quick shout out that uh, good, uh, one of our favorite uh, racers from Team Wanty. Mm-hmm. Johan Ofredo did not finish. I was hoping that the uh, most stylish man in professional cycling was going to be able to come away with a result for the Wanty team, and I'm gonna, uh, was not able I'm to. So file an objection on behalf of Pipo Posado. He's not <laughs> in the race, was he? I don't even. Think he wasn't in the race. Was so. And then uh, another thing that stuck out to me um, before one comment we got from a, a friend of the pod is uh, Daniel Oss looking pretty good. The flow was uh, was looking wild. It's uh, was there was there for Sagan at the end. Is the is the hair getting to the point where it's a little bit obscene? It's just a it's just, just a little bit like that's probably where that oh. leather jacket came into your dream. You probably caught okay. a little view of uh, Oz before you drifted off into slumber. Yeah. I don't know where Tim Wellens came from, but that's kind of... Um, a uh, friend of the pod, longtime uh, listener um, and cohort of ours, Brandon Gavick, did text me and says, Hey, when will people get sick of Sagan complaining about teams riding against him? To me today, he looks clearly like other riders have been more um, aggressive to get up the road but he's going to complain, and then that was when you know the camera goes back to him, and he's doing the waving arm thing of like yeah. you got to pull through. And I think what Gavik's getting at here is that you know Sagan probably feels everyone's ra- racing against Sagan, right? Rather than racing for the win, they're racing so Sagan doesn't win. I mean, I think a lot um, of that lead group was, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would probably be doing the same thing. I'd be like, you got the stripes, well, you're to the front. I feel like Sagan, he's he's. He's been playing it pretty conservative in the classics this year. Like a couple of years ago, we saw him going out on some raids, and last year he was initiating a lot of the moves. And this year, he's really been waiting. And obviously, it worked in Ghent, but the rest of the time, he just seems frustrated by it. You know, I'm hoping that this will build and build, and that means that Perry Roubaix is going to attack from like mile three. Yeah, just make it fun. <laughs> it's probably because like yeah. it, it just felt like watching Flanders. I kept being like, when is he going to go? And I know. For most of the time, it makes sense, especially with all those quick steppers. You got to wait toward the end. He packs one of the best sprints, but like, it's frustrating. It's frustrating yeah. to watch because you know he's he's in the position of Cancellara a few years ago, where you know he's the strongest. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. And Cancellara had the he's same almost complaints. Oh yeah, and I mean, if you think about Cancellara, how strong Cancellara was when he was at his peak, and then you look at his results, it's obviously good results, but it's also kind of hard to believe. You know, sometimes he didn't get – he got beat by lesser riders. Garens. <coughs> Garens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got so, a Simon Garens. All right, well, I followed think my throat. Overall, um, personally, out of a five-stars um, rating system for this uh, Tour of Flanders, I would probably put it at three stars. I wasn't totally yeah. – I was like, okay, like great result for Terpstra. <laughs> but to me, it wasn't something I'm going to write home about. It's not going to be something that years from now when we're doing a top corner draft corner on Tour – Flanders moments. This would not. Nothing in this race is going to come to mind. Um, so, I mean, yeah. how do you guys feel on five stars? Where would you put this one? I'd probably go the same as you. So it's a three, three point two, three. I gotta say, I was uh, on the edge of my seat almost all day on Wout Watch uh, twenty eighteen, and okay. that made the race very exciting for me. Um, you know, Sagan. Uh, Sagan drama is going to be Sagan drama. Like that's, that is what it is. Um, you know, the result, 
it wasn't the the thrilling sock them up, you know, for the last twenty k. Like I'd like to see a small group go and guys attacking each other, obviously, but that's not how every race pans out. But Wild Watch twenty eighteen definitely uh, added some thrill for me. Seeing him mark some moves was uh, was awesome. Seeing him like going up those climbs when when Greg Finn Avermont is attacking, you know, up cobbled climbs in Belgium at the Tour of Flanders and Wout is sticking with that move. Mm-hmm. It was it was pretty exciting to watch, you know. Okay. So yeah, I I'll give you that. I, I'd probably give it four out of five. Um Wow. Easy grader. I like it. I like your style. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand your logic, Spencer. That did add a, add a nice element. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a, a great nice hashtag, by the way. I, yeah. Good good work on Wout watch. Um so um one more thing I want to talk about, and of course, that's Team Skyrider, Luke Rowe, riding on the path. Oh, did you guys see this? He was riding on the path, and we really need to discuss it. Hi, I'm Helen Wyman, and you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. This podcast is supported by Health IQ, a life insurance company that celebrates the health conscious, including cyclists. You can visit healthiq.com slash slow ride to learn more and get a free quote. You can check out their FAQ page uh, to get any questions you have answered. But basically, the gist of it is you head over to that uh, that website, healthiq.com slash slow ride. You take a quiz a health quiz the way you can uh, try to score elite on i did i'm pretty sure you will be able to uh if you're riding your bike you know if you're taking care of yourself it's uh it's not that tough to do and if you score elite then you can save money on your life insurance uh you can add in information about your strava or the riding you're doing you know, if you're riding 50 miles in a week, uh, you're going to save more money right there. It's all these things stack up. Um, we've had lots of uh, referrals or, or, or um, reviews from listeners that have tried this out and have told us how much money they're saving on their life insurance uh, annually. And it uh, it really works for people. So, you know, it might work for you as well. We encourage you to go check it out. HealthIQ.com slash slow ride. Uh, learn a little bit more about it. See if you can save yourself some money. Uh, it's pretty easy and it's worth it. Couldn't agree more. They're great people. I really appreciate their support. Easy website to look at, and you can even upload your Strava, which is pretty awesome to save some uh, bucks on your life insurance. So uh, check it out. We're also, once again, brought to you by the supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. You can download our app in the Google Play Store or iTunes. And, uh, it's how it lets you know of all the new different shows that are happening. And you can also go and learn about our um, uh, supporter network and all the different other uh, shows What's as well. What's the uh, last show on the network you listened to there, Tim? Last show on the network I listened to was Bike Shop CX, the nothing show, where they uh, talked about uh, bar ends you know, and other redone bikes. And um, It's, it's so, yeah, kind of a show about nothing, but it's really about something. Yeah, for sure. Yep. It's it the Seinfeld great. of bike shows. <laughs> it is. They even had a question about like some bike today 
that they're like, hey, we need little guy's help about how awesome this bike is. <laughs> and it was like a – it was on Twitter, I believe. Maybe it was on their Instagram. I saw It was that. a Bontrager frame, frame with hydraulic rim brakes, which I never even knew existed. It seems like a waste. <laughs> I saw that. So what? what is the question that they need my help on on that? Because the question to me was – is this awesome or not? Obviously, it's awesome. It's not really a question. I, I don't know. Should they rock it? Yes. I mean, I think, you know, the answer is kind of inconsequential. Really, the mm. circular uh, greater thing that we're looking at here is that the show about nothing, Bike Shop CX, the show about nothing, Seinfeld. Seinfeld has a Klein in the background of every episode in the hallway hanging up. The Klein... You know, the circle is complete, circle of life sort of situation going on, wide-angle podium, check out the app, learn all the things, connect the dots, Illuminati, you know what I'm talking about, get on it. Hey, this is Ian Field. Listen to what? Slow ride. All right, guys, we got quite a few emails. I just want to give a couple quick shout-outs. Gary Owens hit us up with a uh, picture from the Salsa Chase at the Land Run. Looking svelte as always. Gary, thanks for sharing that. Um, Aaron Bozeman hit us up and said, Hey, guys, great job on the podcast. I'm absolutely loving every every episode. Plus, you got the best intro music ever. And I found this article on Jan William Van Schip and his bars in Ghent Valgum. So we have a article that was sent to us. Remember we put out yep. this request and within five hours of the show being put up on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, we got an email back with the actual story and um, – Aaron hits us up and says, apparently the Roompot squad usually is on Richie bars, but in the race on Sunday, Van Ship was racing bars he also used during the track world championships in which he got two silver medals. What? The article, su- the article suggests the bars are branded 3T, but the team has not confirmed this. Van Ship is also pretty great in his interviews. You should go check them out. Enjoy Deronde this weekend. So I really appreciate that translated article. We got the gist. So it's the bars that he was using at the Track World Championships where he got two silvers. I didn't know this. Van Ship, you're one of our favorites already. Roompot Squad, you I need, have a steal. I need to go search out some photographic evidence of this. This man was riding mountain drops on the track. People freaked out <laughs> about him riding them on the road, but he showed up on the track. You know, he probably won because everybody gave him a wide berth because they were worried that he was like some Cat 4 that snuck into the race. That's crazy. We got another uh, email from August Velasquez. It says, hey, guys, I'm just listening to episode 197, and I had to jump in when you're discussing what was worth watching at Team Sky. Mm. The name Egan Bernal, yeah. the kid is really promising and worth watching right now. Can he be the one saving the team? <laughs> Somebody's <laughs> to got which, to. Yeah. <laughs> to which today, being April 1st, one of the only stories that actually got me today was someone tweeted – that um, Team Sky, or sorry, Sky News announced today that they're no longer funding Team Sky. And that was the April 1st story that I read. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's almost close enough to be true mm-hmm. that it might not be an April 1st joke mm-hmm. during Flanders. And what's crazy is uh, Shimano also unveiled a new, was it Shimano that unveiled the new derailleur, like the clutch yeah. 
derailleur. Much road and then derailleur. on April 1st, in the, in the lead in the stories where this is not an April Fool's joke. Like, this is a... <laughs> really? Degen Kolb is using a clutch derailleur at uh, Flanders today. <laughs> that's... So. That's so I didn't even think about the April Fool's thing until right before we podcasted, and I was looking at the Bicycle Quarterly website, and they had a, a post about how they were offering uh, like five chainring cranks because <laughs> people wanted more more gear range, and I was like, "Wait a minute, it's April first. <laughs> well, well, and then there but they also... like totally mocked it up for the images. It looks super real. Well, it's like that uh, release from Campy that's going around right now, Campy Movement. Have you seen that? And no. I was like, oh, of course they're going to announce this on April 1st. But there's like this whole, like, you go to Campy, go to their website, you put in your email, and they're going to announce what it is. It's more than likely either wireless shifting or it's going to mm. be like an e-bike platform is my guess. Oh, on, so there's big news coming out of Campy. Oh, this Campy is terrible. You guys, it's definitely terrible. not mountain bike components. So. I feel This feels like the day I first saw a Porsche SUV. Like somebody stabbed me <laughs> in a place I didn't even know existed. I mean, I don't own a Porsche, but like the 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 seven eight year old in me that always wanted one was like, ugh, I can't be associated with this anymore. Well, we got uh, those emails. Thanks, Aaron, Gary, um, and also Prentice Barry hit us up with a um, an interview of Mario Cipollini that I still haven't listened to. Prentice all the way out in Pensacola, so I'll make sure to read that. But uh, apparently. The Lion King is going off a little bit on Sagan, so I'm going to have to, uh, to to dig into that a little bit. Nothing like a little drama to get me through the day. Yeah, We had a slew of, report, of reviews come through, so um, let's just get right into okay. them. Uh, like hanging out with your friends, five stars from Yukon37. These guys get a lot of crap for mispronouncing names like Nero Canella, <laughs> Painter Shogun, and Virginia Nibali. Matt, super guy, and Tim, little rookie, and sponsor may not always nail the pronunciation, but hey, none of us are perfect, right? Seriously, though, this podcast is one of my favorites, and these guys bring it week in, week out. They're good-natured banter, comedic insights, and rumors straight from the source remind me what I like about bicycling. Worth a listen and catching up with the old episodes if you have not listened to them. While you're at it, check out the Wide Angle Podium shows. You'll be glad you did. Now, if they can only get George Hincappy on the show, perhaps a live interview on the Greenway with Little Guy? No, oh, that'd be good. I'll do that at some point. Do you think he'll ever come to Minnesota? Do you think Hincappy would Casual do ride down the Greenway? Uh, it's probably not going to happen. But I'll, do you maybe... think we'd have to buy his um, plane ticket to do that? <laughs> I think we'd have think to buy like... more than that, probably. But <laughs> Oh, you think so? You think we'd have to pay for him to come on the Greenway and ride with you? For I don't know why. I mean, it's not a very exciting thing to ride to go ride. <laughs> so it seems well, I think like... we, I think we'd have to find a way to coordinate it with like some shop that wants to do a George Hincappy night, and then we just like steal them for a couple hours. Yeah, maybe we can talk to Free Will and maybe get them to foot the bill for Speaking us. Speaking of which, Friday night next week, Graham Obrey coming to Orlando. Can't wait to go see him. Really, talk to nice. him about goofy bikes. Yeah, he, doing he... like a night at a bank, like a local bank. I don't know what he's. Huh. Wait, what? <laughs> a I night think he's at a going bank? to try to. I like think he's a going to try to get the world speed record like on camp? his new bike. He's okay. got this new like uh, <laughs> reverse recumbent where he's hey, like God. face down. You're wait. You're saying <laughs> some star power is going to get you to go to some sort of meeting at a bank that you don't know about exactly what the details are, and uh, you think you're coming out there not going to own a timeshare? Is that is that what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. you're, you are in Florida? You know, I am in Orlando. <laughs> I will more than likely have a timeshare. Yeah, um, don't do Graham it. It's Obrey. a bad deal. <laughs> okay, I will go. Worth the investment. Five stars from Loves Garmin. 
First and only podcast review. Love the show so much that I even recommended it to 50% of my friends. Hope he listens to it as well. Wow. <laughs> well done. I like yeah. I like that. If we got Ooh, guys. 50, if we got 50% of all our listeners friends to listen, we'd have you know Dozens. a couple more listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Insufficient discussion of ranks. Oh, sorry. Let me start this again. Insufficient discussion of rusks. Oh, from right. Alex yeah, Past more Punk. Sense. Yeah, <laughs> it is worth it is worth noting at the outset of this review that this should be a five star review. Mm-hmm. He only gave us four stars. I was hoping to hide that. Mm. The bond between these three friends is obvious, forged over their years while riding, obsessing over bike parts, and perfecting the coll- collective inability to pronounce <laughs> European names because mm-hmm. of the Slow Ride podcast. I now appreciate the AG2R kit. I am reveling Good. in Keith Benute's breakout season, and I've learned that Campy made. Made the hinges for the ill-fated VW VW Phaeton. Ill-fated? It's a classic. It's still there's still a couple on the road. There's a couple. But I am, but I am forced They're to really dock one star. Maintain. But I am forced to dock one star for the insufficient discussion of rusks. Mm. There's a whole world of rusk being given short shrift, from sweet Indian rusks served, served with tea to savory barley rusks soaked in olive oil and served with a Greek salad. Oh, if these really guys good. held a regular rusk corner, they wouldn't be forced to talk about the exploits of the odious Bling Matthews. <laughs> Either way, this podcast will bring your cycling knowledge from 16th place to first. Subscribe away. That sounds That's good. kind of a five-star review. I'd, I mean, it was like part of the bit was the four stars. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's solid. I yeah, didn't yeah. – I got to admit, I didn't know there were so many different rusks uh, when we had uh, – Dan, Dan on the podcast, he sort of made it made me believe that rusks only existed in one fashion right. as he explained them. So I think I think that's really on him for I agree. leaving us in the dark and kind of not not opening our world to rusks. You know, being a true teacher of the rusk. We we are definitely I'm, rusk noobs, and uh, you know, I got yeah, we'll I it. got the muesli rusks based on Dan's recommendation, and got the tea that he recommended to go along with it, and that's that's all I know. So. I'm going to have to so, get on a Wikipedia. Okay, kind of, I don't know what I'm going to have to do, but I... So Spencer's had muesli rust mm-hmm. with tea. What kind of rust have you had, little guy? Uh, I don't know. It was whatever kind they had at that uh, that store over off University by the Ford parts store. Oh, sure, whatever, yeah. The, the, okay. The so, store. of course. I've never had rusks before. Here's my question mm. to you. Can I go to like a regular supermarket for these, or do I got to go to a fancy rabbit food co-op? No, I've I've never seen them at a co-op. Or a regular superstore. Like I, uh, I saw them at the, uh, I don't know what it's called, like Caspian's or something. Like I got to go to like Tim. an like an expat Tim. grocery Tim, store Tim, kind Tim, of? Tim. Yeah. Tim. Yeah. Just, I'll take you to them when you're here, Tim. Just do what I did. Make my own. Just sponsor. do what I did. Yeah. Make your, no, yeah. don't make your own. Just go to this little website. It's, it's kind of out of the way. You might not have heard of it. Amazon.com. Don't, do don't do it. And just put in Rusk yeah. and they come right up. I thought you were going to like go to, okay, Tim, go to this little known website. You may not have heard of it. Rusks.com. Rusks for all. <laughs> and then it's the number yeah. four. A lot of people get that wrong. Well, and our final review, out of good, better, best. These guys are the best. Five stars from SCCED. Sked. This podcast <laughs> yeah, was recommended by one crazy strong cycling dentist. No joke. <laughs> yes. <And> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Can we just stop there, guys? Our work here I, is complete. We've done it. I mean, it. we're it's at 199 episodes. I think we need to just stop. We have a dentist that mm. actually listens to the podcast that recommended Okay, if you are this dentist that recommended this to your buddy, Get in touch. please send us a picture of your bike. Ah, we pretty sure we have it nailed down what kind of bike you do have. 
but uh oh. we'd love to see this uh this bike and i would like the to bike know that if you ride more five dentists recommend our podcast that's what yeah. i want to know well anyways and has quickly become one of my favorites definitely worth a five-star review but like any great cycling podcast sometimes they can be like tommy vocler's attack attack 200k from the finish and come up short <laughs> like discussing fixies really that's or usually too, they can hold off to be fair or they can hold off the peloton for an epic finish great discussion on strada bianchi keep up the good work guys and if you're ever in socal please go back home <laughs> or st louis <laughs> socal socal said oh, okay that's where the name comes from so socal said so thank you wow that's they don't good. want us in socal that's well well played that's there. fair go you're lucky it's far away from where we all are so it probably won't happen uh, at all. Yeah, so guys we have a hundred we now have 199 reviews on uh, Amazon really? – um, or sorry, on Apple iTunes Store. 199 That's reviews. That's perfect synergy. Synergy with the 199th episode. Yeah. Of those 109 reviews, only one one-star review, and we mm. know who that is. Yeah. So, uh, thanks, Courier yeah, Dave. Thanks, Courier yep. Dave. And uh, <laughs> wow. Thanks for, thanks for helping us bat above our weight. And before we get into um, a new – um, Top corner draft corner about Paris Bay. We have the brand new segment that uh, Spencer uh, dictates to us. The dictator of the greatest cyclist of uh, the week yes. right now. Corner. No greatest cyclist of the week. No greatest cyclist in the world of the week. That's what it is. Um, yeah, I'm gonna do that segment. I also uh, I want don't let me forget. I just uh, was reminded of a great bike story I wanted to share with you guys uh, momentarily. But greatest mm. cyclist in the world of the week for this week, Flanders just happened today. We're recording the evening uh, of Flanders. It's it's tough mm. to ignore the uh, the racing that happened today. Yes, Tim, I can see you want to interrupt. What is it? Yeah, do we not get to say our guests here? No, this yeah. is like not, I know it's your segment. Like like we don't get to like suggest who we think the greatest cyclist of the I week mean, today. If, is. If you want to be wrong, I guess. Sure, sure. Yeah, go ahead. What do you got? Well, you go first, little guy. <laughs> oh, because uh... I don't want to say it, and then it's going to steal your thunder. Because like, uh-huh. you're going to get mad that I take like I guess the person because it's clearly one person that is the greatest cyclist in the world of the week. And when I say it, you, like it's clearly Anna Van Vanderbregen, mm. right? Like okay, you I mean, said that she won so... by over a minute today. Mm-hmm. At Flanders, mm-hmm. easily the best. <laughs> I was gonna. I was just gonna say I can't decide. And it's Quick Step. Quick Step is the greatest cyclist of the week. <laughs> they won two races this week, and and they're crushing it. Quick Step. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, Terpster would be a good pick. Um, Sagan, you know, is actually still a good pick despite his result <laughs> today uh, to be our first repeat uh, winner of uh, greatest cyclist of the week of the in the, the world first, of the week. The, um, but yeah, I, there's a lot of firsts. I got to I got to say, Tim surprisingly nailed it. I I didn't think he would be uh, anywhere close, but uh, yeah, the greatest cyclist it's, in the world of the week for this week is Anna van der Breggen. Uh, winner of Tour de Flanders, uh, women's world tour race, and uh, definitely someone to watch as we go forward. I I couldn't agree more. Good good segment this way. Way to nail it. So what's yeah, your uh, story from this so, week? Guys, I, I was on a ride the other day, um, and we made a pit stop at the uh, at the coffee shop. 
now this is the place where you know most of the rides you know come and go they end your ride there you start your ride there whatever there's always generally a good number of bikes outside to peruse there's you know some bikes inside even um and uh outside the window from where i was sitting there was a classic um probably eight speed camping nolo equipped uh colnago steel colnago with the with the um kind of rabobank-esque uh, blue and orange and white paint job uh i don't nice. think it had the crimp tubes if i remember it didn't but Ooh. it was it was still like pristine very good of the era had like the you know some goofy probably the pantani uh edition saddle on it um it, it was of an era it was when you see it you're like oh okay i know who rode that bike so i started looking around trying to determine who the bike rider in the shop there's probably a dozen guys in the shop like all in spandex and stuff uh and i'm looking around i'm like who rides that bike I, can, I know I can pick them out. Like, there's a Colnago rider in this shop. Who is it? And I see him, spot him across the room. There's a guy with blue knickers, ASOS, mm-hmm. blue ASOS knickers. You know, you know the guy with blue ASOS knickers on is riding the Colnago. There's no way that he's not. Mm-hmm. And I'm there with my better half, and I, uh, I point at the bike, and I'm like, guaranteed the guy in the blue knickers rides that bike like he when he gets up and leaves he grabs that bike i bet you a thousand dollars and she's like Jeez. she's like are you sure and i said oh yeah 100 percent. there's no way the guy right there in the asos is not riding a colago five ten minutes later he gets up puts on his helmet he's getting ready to leave i i'm got this nailed he's 50 something you know like definitely definitely gonna grab this this 90s colago he doesn't walk to the bike. Mm. He didn't. He didn't walk to the bike. He his bike was not outside, leaned against the rail. <laughs> he just, his bike was. He just gets in a car. And no, no. Away. <laughs> his bike was inside the shop. I shit you not. He pulls his bike off the rack from a, a, an angle that I could not see from where I was sitting. He has mm. another Colnago, a newer carbon one, also with Campy, uh. also all dialed out, but much newer <laughs> than the one outside. And he rides away on the Colnago, and I was like. I'm still right. <laughs> yeah, so wait, you're right. <clears throat> question: Did you did you find out who had the 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 steel Camaro? No, we, we left. <laughs> we left before they did, unfortunately. But it's probably an employee, <laughs> right? It's probably like an like like the uh, the barista. Maybe. It's like, hey, this is a really cool bike. It's what I ride. <laughs> I that's pretty good. Well, at least yeah. you know that your Colnago Dar is is still working. Still properly. pretty good. So, still pretty good. I still, if well, if a, I would have known the second Colnago was, you know, behind mm, the grassy knoll the whole time, yeah. I uh, I might so, have picked it out. But yeah, that was information that wasn't put into the word problem. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. So Paris Bay is this coming week. Mm-hmm. We can always talk about what's going to happen and whatnot, but we're going to get into a top corner draft corner. Before we do that, who do you guys have real quick for your winner and your um your sixteenth place at Paris Bay? Sagan, Wout. Sagan and Wout for a little guy? Wait, in which order? Sagan's going to win, Wout's going to get 16. Huh. Okay. The the cobbles are unforgiving. Do you have anything else with the uh, podium, little guy? Anything else you want to add? Uh, Terpster will be second, and Terpster will be third. Wait. (laughs) Can it? No, I like that. I think it can, actually. I like that. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say Sagan, and then it's all Terpstra until (laughs) Wout. 
and then right. Volgren really, will get 17th yeah, place. Yeah, you're really hedging right, Spencer, your bets. What do you, Spencer, who do you got? <clears throat> your podium and your 16th place. We're sure to show. Uh, podium and 16th place. Okay, well, I think, um, man, I don't want to say it, you guys. Say it. I don't want to say it. Say it. I think Greg Van Evermont's going to win Perry Roubaix. Uh, again? Yeah, I don't want to say it. I said right. it. I said it. Like you don't want to say it to jinx him? No, I don't want to say it because I don't want him to win. I uh. Really? Think of how the years he was the nearly man and we and we like rooted for him and then he had one really good year and we're like, Pah, whatever, you, we don't care. You might have rooted for him. I didn't root for him. I, I, uh, I didn't want him to win and I still kind of don't. And I'm not really sure why. It's nothing against him personally. I, I don't know. Maybe it's BMC. Right. I don't know what the problem yeah. is, honestly. Um, but uh, I, mean, that, I, 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 it would help the team. Yeah, I think I think he's gonna win. I, I think he's gonna have to be my pick. Um, my podium. I'm gonna put uh, Jesper Steven up there on the podium. Whoa. Yeah, right. and I'm gonna put um, I guess Sagan uh, in third on the podium. On the podium, that will be that will be that. And um, for sixteenth. Let's see. I haven't thought about this, but I don't know. I'm going to throw it out there. I'll just say Taylor Finney, 16th place. Wow, that would be it. That would be an awesome result. I'd be stoked to see America that. needs it, man. America needs yeah, it. Yeah, we do. First place will be Zednik Stybar. Second place would be Edward Thunes. Third place is going to be Oliver Nason. And in 16th place, Lars Beck. Any, any uh, logic to these picks, or are you just pulling them out of thin air? Uh, you know, we're up against timeline, so I got to really get this podcast moving. I so see. Is Lars Back still riding? You mentioned him <laughs> fairly often, and I'm never actually even 100% sure if he's still, like, riding or he's not even just in the race, but, like, he's still riding, right? Like, he's still on a yeah, pro yeah, team. No, no, yeah, he's still on a pro team. He's on he's on Red Lotto. He's on Red Lotto. Okay, all right. I yeah. mean, he's been around a long time, and I just didn't know if you were just – yeah, I just, no, just want to make He's sure. got to be the leader of Red Lotto going into Paris. Yeah, Bay. definitely not T. Spinute. Yeah, definitely. He's, not. He's not on the start list. He really? Well, yeah. I guess he is really good in the yard. Down, they're probably saving him for Amstel and stuff. So, all, all right, right, top corner, draft corner. Spencer, this was your idea. Why don't you introduce what we're going to be doing for this edition of Top Corner Draft Corner on the Slow Ride? Yeah. Podcast. So uh, this week uh, we're 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 in Holy Week. Right now we're in the middle of, uh, of Perry Bay Flanders sandwich and. Uh, I thought what better time than to launch a top corner draft corner about the greatest moments in Perry Roubaix. Um, let's, so let's think back. Let's harken back to some of uh, uh, our favorite Paris Roubaix editions and pick out moments that, uh, that we really um, thought stood out, you know, stood out for us for the greatest moments, you know, however you want to slice that up. You know, if you want to go back to the days of Mercs, that that's fine. Um, any Perry Roubaix, whatever, what are your greatest moments? We're going to do a rounds of three. So we'll get the top three uh, from each of us. Mm-hmm. Can I go first? Um, yeah. I suppose. And then like, wants- I'll let you go first because neither of you guys are going to pick my moments because they're. Okay. So then you go moments. third. <laughs> I'd like to go first. And of course, I am going to be taking the moment that George Hincapie's stem broke uh-huh. mm-hmm. at Paris Roubaix. Being the greatest moment in the history, not because um, of anything bad or ill will. It's it's more of just I remember watching that 
I super excited that that was going to be the year that George Hincapi wins Paris Roubaix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was so stoked. And then when I saw that over Titan stem bolt fail, ever since then I've been worried about riding my bike because of that. I've that moment to me is a number one draft pick for Paris Roubaix. Like that is hands down one of those moments. I think that was two thousand six, I believe. Um, sure, I could I, I could be wrong, but that's that moment. I will never forget. I think that's that right. is my first pick. I, I also won't forget it. I, yeah, I know what you mean. So. All right, good pick. A sad day. Good pick. Interestingly enough, uh, with the second pick of the first round, I am going with another uh, Hincapi adjacent moment. Um, I'm going to go with 2002 Perubay muddy. Uh, Hincapi crash into the side of the ditch. Well, him and Tom Boonin. Are chasing uh, uh, Johan Museo, who would go on to win the race. This was not the end of Hincapi, but it was the birth of Boonen. This was the first time the world saw Tom Boonen, and he finishes third uh, on the podium at his very first Paris Roubaix. Talk about a coming of age. Um, it wasn't quite a, a passing of the baton, but. It got passed shortly thereafter. Tom Boonen so, moves on to quick step, and and we we really begin the era of domination of Boonen with that moment. You know, I gotta Spencer. I don't I don't really like what you did here because you have pretty much taken two great seminal moments of Paris Roubaix off the board in one pick, totally ruining my. I was going to go with a whole. George Hincapi podium Paris Roubaix moments. Like all three of my moments were going to be George Hincapi related. Uh-huh. Now you say George Hincapi to start. So I'm like, Oh, I can't take George Hincapi, but then you pivot to like actually just being about Tom Boonen well, making his uh, debut. It's a, a little rude. I think that, uh, you know, well within give the you a yellow card for caution, oh, okay. but yeah, well, I hear you, <laughs> but, um, all right. Tom Boonen's uh show out. So little guy, you get two picks back to back here. Mm. Um, on uh, your Paris Bay moment, and I guarantee that we were not going to think of any of these. Well, think yeah, about probably it. Not. Now, if you want to um, pick the Subaru Sandbar, that's fine, but maybe save it for the third round. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. You're going to pick any of mine anyway. Um, <laughs> a moment, and I don't know why this moment stands out so much for me, but it's 2007 Paris Bay, and it's uh, Lars uh, Mikkelsen, Michelson, who was on CSC at the time. I feel mm-hmm. like he's a director somewhere now. It's his last Perry Roubaix, and he was in the front group, and he takes he does like a bike change for and not because he needed to, but they like did bike they did a bike change to like switch to a different bike for the final, and then he like almost immediately crashes around like the next corner, and it just I remember them talking about this bike change as like a a predetermined thing or something on the broadcast, mm-hmm. and then him immediately eating shit. And I remember thinking, why did they do that? That's so stupid. <laughs> and and just how st- how dumb it was. Maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but this like stuck in my mind. He ended up 11th. I looked this up because I couldn't remember what he got. He ended up 11th in that race in I, that year. So I solid result. Yeah. I would have never remembered that. But now that you're talking about it, I, I do recall that happening. Um, I just remember it being so like, oh, he's taking a like, and then being like, oh, well, look at that. He just ate shit. He should have waited till he ate shit to take the bike. Anyway, 
it's stuck in my craw for all these years. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it's like a defining okay. uh, Bay memory. That's a good one. For my, second, my second one will make more sense to you guys, which is it's not necessarily the moment that uh, Maddie Heyman won Roubaix because that was obviously amazing. But it's the moment on that last ceremonial section of Cobbles mm-hmm. when it was like him and Boonin and 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 Eddie Eddie B was there and all stuff. And I was thinking, ah, oh, Boonin's got this or Eddie's got this. Heyman doesn't, but I really want Heyman to have it. And they weren't into the podium, into the velodrome yet, and Heyman attacked and he put in that attack right before they went into the velodrome. And for a second it looked like he cracked Boonin. And I was just that was the most amazing moment in Rebe for me probably ever. Just because I couldn't believe he was doing it, I couldn't believe he was cracking Boonin, and and then once he got caught, I thought he was going to lose the sprint to Boonin, and he still pulled it off. But for it was the audacity of that attack before the velodrome <laughs> that that he that he would try at that point, where everybody else sort of seemed like they just were going to bet on the sprint mm-hmm. and go with it no matter what, and that he was willing to go at that point and waste like an effort before the final effort that you know you're going to have to make because Boonin's obviously going to track you down. <laughs> yeah. That took some yeah. huge balls. So that's that's up there for me. All, All right. right. So you have Lars Mickelson and then the Maddie Heyman cracking Tom Boonin in your first two picks. Yep. yep. That's me. All right. And so. Spencer, your second pick of this three-round draft. Yep, second pick, second round. <clears throat> I... Uh, I gotta say, Tim, when you when you mentioned your handicapping strategy, that got me thinking about my strategy and the fact that I didn't really have one uh, heading into this draft. Um, but now, now I'm torn between uh, a Boonin faced strategy or a take moments that I know Tim wants to take strategy. Yeah, just just, cho- just choose all the handicapping and somehow pivot them into like, you know, well, yeah, yeah I got gotcha. you. Uh-huh. I know what you're doing. I think I think I'm gonna stick. I think I'm going to stick with the Boonin uh, plan here, at least for now, uh, for one more round anyway. And I'm going to say 2005, Paris-Roubaix. Tom Boonin wins, uh, but he crushes it. Uh, it's his first double. He had won Flanders, and uh, and then he goes on and wins Roubaix in a awesome sprint, a three-up sprint. And, oh, uh, God. No, it was not an awesome sprint. No? I'm going to cut you off because I was going to choose Hincapie not sprinting in 2005 against Tom Boonin. Is that the one where he goes too low on the track and and we're at home screaming? (laughs) Oh, Spencer, you did it again. That's a shame. uh, Yeah, you're welcome. That's a shame. Yeah, he he outsprinted Hincapie and Fletcher uh, to win his first and uh, in a double there in 2005. Crushed it. Nice. Great. Cool story. <laughs> <laughs> I was so mad because I was yelling at my TV because Hincapi didn't even try to sprint. And then later he was talking about how like he didn't want to be the one that, that went first. Remember like the post-race interview? It was something along the lines of I knew I couldn't beat Boonin, but I didn't want to get third because I think Fletcher was right there. So he wanted to like sit behind Boonin enough and he never was able to come around. Whereas we were like, you need to go high on the track yeah. and just attack. Yeah, we were yelling. Like, we were both. We were all three racing the track uh, a lot at that time in our cycling careers, and we had a lot of, uh, you know, sideline coaching, uh, armchair coaching for uh, for Hinkepi about how he screwed the pooch on that one. I mean, he he rode the track as a junior, didn't he? I mean, maybe he forgot. I don't know. 
So I've got uh, so we, we, I had the Hincapie crash. Um, yep. Uh, the, the one with the stem bolt. I was going to like find a way to pick the Hincapie somersault into the ditch on the real muddy one, but that was also, um, you know, taken. Uh, so let's see here. Oh, what's this one? How about Greg LeMond's awesome bikes that you used to bring to Paris Roubaix with the front shocks? Remember, like, the uh, he had like the Ruby fork, mm-hmm. maybe the road bike with a little fork, like that technology <laughs> of like mm-hmm. late 80s, early 90s mm-hmm. of Greg LeMond, Tour de France winner, going to Paris Roubaix, and then hearing about this because this is after, you know, like I came as a fan well after this to, to hear about this and see those bikes. It was pretty, pretty awesome to see. So that's what I'm taking. I'm taking Le Mans bikes in totality at Paris Roubaix. <laughs> so they get to be all right. Everyone, every bike he ever rode. Actually, I'm going to change the pick. I'm going to take all bikes in Paris Roubaix forever. Uh, my third pick is going to be my first experience with Paris Roubaix, and that is going to be Sunday in Hell with uh, the, the Eddie Merckx documentary. Okay. Um, yeah. What is that? The 1972 Paris Roubaix, and that's what kind of opened my mind mind to it. Um, whatever, whatever the year is, it's an awesome race. He's got like the millimeter tape measure out to make sure his saddle's the right way. He's eating that nice bloody steak in the morning. Um, yeah, I would say that's kind of disgusting, but I would say Sunday in hell, um, is my third pick. So there you go. I've got Hincapie's stem bolt. I've got Greg LeMond's bikes, and then I have Sunday in hell. All right. Little guy, you got Boonin or Spencer, you got Boonin and Boonin. Where are you going to go with your third? Well, I was going to go Boonin again. Um, but there's so many good moments that uh, I kind of want to pick something now that maybe a little guy would have picked to screw him over because I, you know, my Boonin thing is good, but like uh, by default, I ended up screwing you over, uh, which was very unfortunate, but not <coughs> part of the plan. Um, well, try to screw me over. Take your best shot. I think I will. I think I'm going to move. I'm going to pivot from the uh, Boonin trifecta. That I have lined up here, and I'm gonna say Bernard Eno winning 1981 <laughs> as a world champion, mm. winning the race, and then in his media uh, availability afterwards, calling Paris Roubaix bullshit and and swearing off the race <laughs> and saying he's never doing it again, and uh, <laughs> that just speaks volumes about the race and uh, and its um, legend legendary status and and why it is you know on the level with uh with races like san remo and uh the japan cup as uh as monuments of cycling all right little guy how are you gonna wrap this one up after uh spencer steals your hino pick um <laughs> i don't know um i kind of wanted to say the 1988 Paris bay because finyan gets uh, third, third, but he brings home the group of minute fifty five back, so it's really not that great. And I've never actually seen it. That was a good one. Um, that was a good one because that's the one where Wegmuller and yeah. Demol get off front, and Wegmuller gets the thing stuck in his his derailleur. Yeah, right? he can't shift. Yeah, he can't shift. And he gets that's crushed brutal. in the sprint. <laughs> that's that's. I mean that that is keeping with our 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 only taking sad th- moments. Yeah, that's true. And for some reason, we're we're all about the downer moments of Perry Bay since. Um. He might, you know, who knows? I was going to pick, uh, what is it, 2011 when Van Summeren wins? Oh, uh, yeah. And then he immediately proposes to his girlfriend. That's pretty good. Right there. That's pretty good. And it's like wow. all on camera and stuff. That's a that, heartwarming that, moment. Wow. That's that heartwarming. Nice. That's better than asking like someone to marry you in a bar. Dusty's, <laughs> Northeast, Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. Instead, he was dusty Yeah. in Roubaix because <laughs> wow. it was kind there of a go. hot, dusty So one. Van Summeren, 
winning. Pretty great picks. Pretty great picks. Uh, Tim, well, I got to say, I am stunned. I am shocked. I avoided this one because I thought you would take it. The famous train crossing incident. Oh, so yeah, good. I can't believe. I thought one of you guys would talk about that, but yeah, one of us. How did none of us pick like a, a Mapay? Ma, ma, ma um, Mappy. Trifecta. The Mappy, Mappy. Trifecta. When, when they went one, two, three. Or when Johan Musawi, Musawi uh, points to his leg when he comes across the little line. Pretty good one. With one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, we should have went to five rounds. So. Yeah. No, there, there, some there, would be, the there are plenty of rounds <laughs> deep uh, worth of great Paris Roubaix moments. So, uh, the problem is, is that this podcast is one hour long, uh, so we can't really go too much yeah. further. Well, and with that, if you have a better Paris Roubaix mo- moment, make sure you hit us up on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod, or even email us at the Slow Ride Podcast at gmail dot com. We'll read your answer on the air of your favorite Paris Roubaix moment. And with that, we'd like to thank Health IQ for their continued partnership with the Slow Ride Podcast and the Wide Angle Podium Network subscribers and supporters. You can find us online at wideanglepodium.com and also email us at Podcast at gmail.com. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. This is Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston reminding you to always wave at your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod.